Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. I was at a funeral in Abaco recently. It was quite a large funeral. Probably it was the largest funeral in terms of attendance, at least, that I've ever experienced. People came from far and near. The family was a very large one with children, grandchildren, even great-grandchildren. I need to tell you that the funeral was for a Christian. So in a real sense, it was a home-going ceremony. The people who spoke all gave tribute to the qualities of the deceased and his life reflected the values that he had held as a born-again child of God. Ministers of the gospel, ministers of the government, local government members, school teachers, business associates, customers, children, grandchildren, all alike gave testimony to the virtuous life of the deceased. Several of the grandchildren participated with poems, the eulogy, and a few songs. For me, though, the most engaging moment was when one of the grandsons sang a solo in honor of his grandfather. He chose the song, he said, that speaks to a mariner's hope that his anchor will hold during a raging storm. He chose this song because he said he felt the words reflected how his grandfathers had shown him and his faith in the Lord Jesus and was secure no matter what happens to one in life. It was a great testimony and a wonderful witness to all those present. It spoke well of him and his own faith in his grandfather's God, but it also spoke volumes about the relationship he had with his grandfather. I was very impressed. What a tremendous feeling to know that such families and such strong faith are still very much alive in our country. If we will believe 
I mentioned that the solo by the grandson grabbed my attention. It took great desire, courage, and nerves of steel for him to sing a solo above the coffin of his grandfather, whom he loved so well. He did well starting off, and I could sense the entire church was engaged, and some were even singing quietly along with him the familiar song. Midway, he faltered a little, but caught himself and continued. Towards the end of the song, on the last verse, his voice did fail. Emotions took control, and he paused while the music continued to play. Then something very interesting happened. As he fought to regain his composure and continue the song, the people in the pew suddenly, without cue or instruction, raised their voices and filled the words of the song. As he caught himself, he came back in tune with them, and the inspiration from the church that had assisted, he fell back into step and carried on, while those of us in the pews lowered our voices automatically in step with his return, and he finished the song with a new vigor and a crescendo that his grandfather would have beamed with pride. He probably did, actually, from his vantage point in heaven. I thought, now that's what Christian bonding is all about. One Lord, one faith, one church. Still, what man is this they all do 
message for today, here's Senior Pastor Emeritus, Alan Lee. Greetings once again in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for tuning into Echoes of Calvary. The Sermon on the Mount is the believer's manifesto, their Magna Carta. It very clearly outlines the personal and specific stipulations of Jesus Christ as to how his people are to live, what they are to be, to feel, and to do. The Beatitudes in particular specifically describes the desired character of those who truly trust him as Savior. I say again, it is Jesus' profile of a true disciple. In essence, these Beatitudes actually describe his own character. And so he's actually saying to his disciples, be like me. For this in the final analysis is the ultimate proof that one is, in fact, a genuine Christian, a Christ-like one. Therefore, to be Christ-like is the basic condition for experiencing genuine blessedness. Real happiness means to be approved of God, and as a result, to be in a state or condition of inner joy and peaceful bliss or tranquility, regardless of external circumstances. Being at rest in soul and spirit, in other words, because of an assured, approved relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's genuine blessedness. Now, we have, in a very summary fashion, looked at the first four traits or characteristics given in verses 2 through 6 of Matthew 5. A true believer is one who is poor in spirit, that is, one who acknowledges his spiritual bankruptcy before God and depends upon him alone for his spiritual needs. He's also one who mourns, meaning that he has the deep inner repulsion and sorrow for sin, both in himself and in those around him. He's also one who is meek, that is, one who has his emotions under control so that he is well balanced in every aspect of his character. And he is one who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, and that his one consuming passion in life is to be Christ-like in all that he thinks and all that he does. Each of these characteristics describe an inner trait and builds upon and flows out from each other. The last four of the Beatitudes, however, describe the outward behavior which is a manifestation of these four inner attitudes. For instance, being poor in spirit manifests itself through being merciful. Having an attitude of mourning manifests itself through purity of heart. Meekness is manifested through peacemaking. Hungering and thirsting after righteousness manifests itself through adversity and persecution. We'll be looking at these four Beatitudes in the days ahead. But now we come to the fifth attitude in verse 7 of Matthew 5, and it reads this way, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, 
for they shall receive mercy. I have entitled this particular beatitude, Finding Happiness in Misery. Now, as usual, the statement of blessing is stated, blessed. Then to demand the trait, the merciful. Now, we've already explained the meaning of blessed in past messages, so we go on now to look at the trait itself, the merciful. Let's look at the definition of this trait. The word mercy in this text here in the Greek is the word L-E-O, E-L-E-E-O. It is one of a group of words in the New Testament that is translated compassion, sympathy, and pity. But this particular word, L-E-O, focuses especially on action rather than feelings or emotion. In other words, it is the outward manifestation of pity or compassion. You see, if we feel compassion only, that's pity. If we do something about what we feel, that's mercy. It is the acting out of a compassionate spirit or attitude. It is doing something about what we feel. The word also focuses on the nature of the situation that motivates us to action. In this case, the emphasis is on the miserableness of the situation. In other words, it deals with the misery and miserable results of sin, which is pain, could be distress, and poverty as well. Now, whereas grace removes the penalty for sin, mercy seeks to deal with the consequences of sin, but never at the expense of justice. God only extends mercy on the basis of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So should we. In other words, mercy is based upon a paid penalty. And in fact, it is the outworking of a truly thankful, forgiven sinner. Now, the form of the verb in the passage is passive. This implies empathy with another in his misery and and is really the key to providing what we need to motivate us to aid and to help one another. William Barclay, outstanding Greek scholar of his day, points out that the Latin for merciful is miserai cardiac, miserai cardiac, and it means in Latin the translation of the misery of another into the heart of the one showing mercy, miserai cardiac. Now, the Greek is very similar. It means L-E-O cardiac, pity in the heart. Barclay says it means getting into another person's skin. And I like that. That's why I use it. It means getting into another person's skin. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. The merciful are those who emotionally and practically and actually take upon themselves the misery of others. In other words, they incarnate themselves into the miserable experience of others in order to assist and to provide help. As the old Indian saying puts it, they walk in the other man's moccasins. Now, Jesus is a perfect example of this, my friends. He is a perfect example of this. Listen to what the writer of the book to the Hebrews 
have the say in chapter 2, beginning at verse 16, speaking about Jesus Christ now. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, Jesus also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. In other words, he got into the skin. Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him, Jesus, to be made just like his brethren. Why? Notice carefully now. Quote, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them who are tempted. End of quote. In other words, Jesus literally, through his incarnation, entered into our skin so that he could experience what we experience so he could provide mercy and to help us to get out of our problem caused by sin. Hebrews 2.17, my friends, is the only place in the New Testament other than what we're reading here in Matthew 5 where this word is used as an adjective. Jesus had to become a human in order to help humanity. When it says he took part of it, it literally means he took a hold of it. It is the same word used concerning Peter as he was sinking beneath the waves on the Sea of Galilee. You remember when he stepped up the boat and tried to walk towards Jesus and he started to sink. The scripture says that Jesus reached out and, quote, took hold of him. My friends, that's what Jesus Christ did for us as a race of human beings. He reached out and took hold of our humanity, our human nature, and he did so in order to redeem us. What a fantastic, beautiful picture this is. My friends, there's no such concept of a merciful high priest in the Old Testament. Jesus introduced a new, unique concept into the priesthood. In order to show mercy, he had to experience the misery of humanity. He had to get into the skin of human beings, and so he became a human being. And as a man during his life and ministry, he entered into our misery and is therefore qualified to minister to us in a sympathetic, compassionate way as our high priest. On the cross in death, he had all the misery caused by our sin to be transferred upon himself. He became our sin bearer, our offering for sin. Now he is saying here in this beatitude to his disciples, be like me when it comes to showing mercy. Not in bearing man's penalty for sin, of course, only he could do that, but rather by bearing man's misery, the consequences of sin. In this way, he's saying, you and I will become merciful. We will become merciful as he is merciful. Friends, this is our role as believers. This is our responsibility and privileges 
as a kingdom of priests over which Jesus Christ is our great high priest. And even as we have the assurance that we can go to him and find help in time of need, so are those in distress should feel that they could come to us, not in the place of Christ, of course, but in addition to and in cooperation with him because we are his body. Now, the scriptures are clear. This is one trait the Pharisees certainly did not manifest. Jesus told them that quite expressly in Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three. But we, on the other hand, as the children of God, are to be like our Heavenly Father. That's why he tells us in Luke 6, Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. That's Luke six thirty-six. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. The basis of the promised blessing is also stated by Jesus. Notice what he says, they shall receive mercy. There's a statement of the biblical principle here. Listen carefully now, my friends. Received mercy. In other words, mercy that we have experienced ourselves is the basis for the showing of mercy to others. Notice what the apostle says in Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then again in Matthew 18, the Savior says, Shouldest not thou have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had compassion or pity on you? Second Corinthians 4, Paul says, God who comforts us in all our tribulation so that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the same comfort wherewith we ourselves have been comforted of God. Receive mercy is the basis for giving mercy to others. That's why Paul could say in 2 Corinthians 4.1, Therefore, seeing we have received this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. In other words, the believer becomes the transmitter of God's mercy to others because he has received mercy from God. It is based on mercy personally received and manifests itself in mercy transmitted to others. In this way, we help to complete the ministry Christ began on earth. Listen to what the writer says in Luke 4 concerning Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus himself speaking, quoting from the Old Testament. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. My friends, Jesus' ministry on earth was one of showing mercy and compassion to others. He wants us to carry on that mission. Notice what James says in James 1.7. Pure religion, an undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unsported from the world. There is such a thing as true religion. And that true religion is 
demonstrated, manifested in caring for those who need care, the fatherless, the widows in their affliction, and so on. In other words, God's mercy must be incarnated in human flesh. That's ours as believers, yours and mine. That, my friend, is the message of the fifth beatitude. It is a call to genuine social action in the name of Jesus Christ, first to the household of faith and then to all mankind. Friends, notice this as I close. Mercy is love in action. Mercy is faith in action as well. May God help us to get into action then, the action of being merciful even as our Savior is merciful. May we, as did our Master, find happiness in the midst of misery. As always, this is Senior Pastor Emeritus Allen Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. There forevermore to stay. The great command is promised, he will surely come again. I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the town and our toiling will be happen in a moment, Jesus Christ could come again, I am listening every moment, for the mighty trumpet sound, what a time we'll have together, when the saints shall leave the town, and our toiling will be over. Hey
Let it alone. 